0: This is a WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County Newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. The Rutherford County Sheriff's Office is in studio with us this morning with guests J.D. Davis and Will Holton. How are both of y'all doing today? Doing well, sir. Good sir. What all is happening at the Sheriff's Department? What's the biggest focus?
1: Well, for us, it's obviously uh, narcotics, narcotics trafficking, opioids, and uh, overdoses, and assisting folks getting into treatment for opioid use disorder. With the use
0: of drugs, are we seeing it literally everywhere, or are there certain areas where you see
1: more of it? Drugs don't discriminate. It's everywhere. Anywhere that you know someone has that disorder or has things going on in their life where they feel like they need to use it. It's everywhere in, in society. When you talk
0: to people out there who obviously are, are intoxicated or, you know, it's obvious they're using something, do they ever tell you, you know, this is why I started using? Do you ever get a glimpse into their life?
1: Yes, sir, absolutely absolutely we do and we also have what we call care coordinators or peer counselors who assist us as well and these are people that were previous previously had problems with addiction and have gone through treatment and now they assist the sheriff's office in getting citizens who were addicted or you know to opioids or alcohol or you know whatever drug that might be uh, into treatment and counseling and so they definitely share with those guys because those people have been there and gone through the same things.
0: Captain Will Holton with us from the sheriff's office. And I'm curious, what what are some of the, the stories or the backgrounds as to why people say, I started because of fill in the blank there?
1: Opioids especially around mid-2000s, 2008, 2009, uh, when we had all of the prescription um Prescriptions going on from different opioid companies and doctors over-prescribing. That was kind of the start of it. Somebody may have had a car wreck and been over-prescribed. And after a constant use, um, the body becomes dependent on it. That's generally one of the main stories is they have had an injury at work, injury in the military, a car crash. You know, other people seek it out for different reasons. Maybe there was a violent or traumatic event in their life. They may have started with another drug and it just transitioned to opioids or heroin it varies but all of them have about you know four or five same similar stories where it kind of one of those things usually is part of it
0: obviously there's some people out there who have to take painkillers for the rest of their life and I'm sure for good reason but as long as they're not overusing when they're driving and you pull them over first of all they get nervous at times too but what should those folks know whenever they do get pulled over
1: well, first of all, I'd recommend if you're, if you're taking opioids for the rest of your life that you don't drive because to be under the influence, it's, a, it's illegal to be under the influence of eating narcotic, whether it's prescribed or not, and to operate uh, a motor vehicle on the, on the highway. Just because you've built up a tolerance doesn't mean you're, you're not impaired.
0: Assuming the person is not using a drug while driving, and of course we're talking in this case a legally prescribed drug, But the driver is carrying that medication with them because they're going to need it once they get to their destination what should that person know about how to carry their medication in a way that won't lead to an arrest that won't lead to extreme suspicion on the part of the law enforcement officer that pulled them over
1: right so uh the first first and foremost what they should do is have their prescription with them at all times don't carry your medications in a separate bottle because if you get stopped and you have oxycodone opana some of the other opioids that are prescribed by a doctor you need that ready available so that the police can see hey this is legal it's been issued by a pharmacy through a doctor and that's all you need
0: and i've never even heard of opana is that similar to the
1: oxycodone well i mean there's various types of opioids you've got tramadol opana oxycotin, oxycodone a morphine jd you help me out there uh, hydrocodone hydrocodone so As far as what each one does differently, I'm not a doctor or a pharmacist. I can't really give you an educated answer on that. Those are just the type of brands that we see or the type of opioids that we see on the street generally.
0: I'm curious, is it safe to carry your whole pill bottle with you if you're out and about and and for some reason you know you're going to need
1: that medicine? It's best practice, but you don't have to take your whole pill bottle with you. Just take a copy of the prescription, Okay. like a copy of the paperwork from the pharmacy. Right. Have that with you so if you're stopped, you can say hey, this, this is the oxycodone or the hydrocodone that I was issued by the pharmacy. Here's the paperwork to go with that.
0: All right. And again, this morning, one of the topics, narcotics, that is obviously a, a very big concern because we're seeing headlines about narcotics, about overdoses every single day, and Rutherford County is not immune to any of that. So with uh, overdoses and overdose deaths, are the numbers high here locally?
1: I think any, any number, any death is, is, is unfortunate and is high. But I don't, you know as far as other areas in the country, there are others that are higher than us. But it is high in this area as well, and we're working every day to, to combat that. And that's one of the reasons we started the STOP unit, which is Strategy and Tactics for Opioid Prevention. These guys and girls go out on the street every day and not only look for people that are trafficking opioids or any drug but they also try to connect care coordinators with individuals who have opioid use disorder or any other type of addiction they try to get those individuals into rehab we also do visits in the jail with inmates and try to connect them with care programs and get them out of incarceration and into a a rehab service i think currently we referred over 500 people to rehab and i think about 200 have attended rehab And that citizen's in Rutherford County.
0: How often does it happen where the person you pull over or the person you stop gets in trouble for having a narcotic with them that maybe is not prescribed to them at all? And they, you know, obviously bought it on the street. But how often do you find that person and they say, I'm ready to get help. I just don't know how.
1: It happens a lot, uh, especially when you offer it to them. You know, when at first, when you offer that to them on the street, they they technically don't believe us because generally, most people that are involved in criminal activity don't think the police are there to help them, right? And so, that's where the care coordinators come in, which are civilian um, civilians that we connect with that individual and who have lived the same life, the same story as them. And when they can see, hey, this person has been clean now for four years and they actually have a job helping people they're assisting with the police they're more apt to go to rehab then but it does happen but i will tell you that folks will not go to rehab until they're absolutely ready and sometimes you just don't catch them at the right time it may be the fourth or fifth time that we have narcan them or brought them back from an overdose before they actually go
0: talk a little bit more about that narcan because you hear a lot about that in the news as well and that literally does save a life but how does that work, and do all deputies have Narcan with them?
1: Yes, sir. All deputies have Narcan. It's, it's the, the medical term for it is pharmaceutical term for it is Naloxone. I think the the brand name is Narcan. But what Naloxone does is opioids bind with the opioid receptors in the brain and basically block it and releases dopamine. And eventually, if it's too strong, you'll stop breathing, which will eventually lead to your death. What Naloxone does is it knocks the, the opioids off the opioid receptor and blocks it. Imagine, I guess the best way I can describe it is imagine someone who is completely intoxicated from alcohol Drunk as they can be this doesn't work for alcohol obviously, but most people can associate someone they've seen intoxicated on alcohol Imagine if someone was drunk on alcohol and you gave them a drug and they instantly became sober That's how naloxone works with opioids. It doesn't work for anything else. It just works for opioids But the moment you give them that dose if you get it to them early enough before they're not too far gone They instantly come back they go from not breathing to being completely intoxicated on an opioid to no longer any effects
0: obviously you see a lot of the same people day in and day out who are overdosing and you're probably like you said you may use narcan on that same person several times how often is i won't say too often but what what's the most you've seen the same person receive that Narcan treatment.
1: I wouldn't, I would say that it's not uncommon for people that have chronic opioid use disorder, that every day they have to use some type of heroin, fentanyl, or some type of illicit opioid. I wouldn't, I would say it's not uncommon for them to overdose. We've got folks that we have personally Narcaned over five or six times, and that is just the ones we know about. These guys and gals uh, that are addicted, a lot of them have narcan with them so if a friend overdoses they can give it to them the ones that have this chronic use they're seeking out the strongest heroin fentanyl pills they can find because they've been using so long they've built up such a tolerance and so when they're out seeking the strong stuff they built up such a tolerance, they overdose more often.
0: It seems like fentanyl worked itself into the picture of drug use by way of drug suppliers or drug maker illegal drug makers infusing it into whatever drug they're trying to sell, so that they can, I guess, bulk up the amount and and make more of it because it's so potent. But now, are people actually
1: searching for fentanyl alone? Absolutely. Your your chronic. People that are chronically using, they're using every single day when they wake up, they're seeking that out because they've built up such a tolerance. What you and I would die from being non-users, that won't even affect them at this point. So they're they're seeking out the, the strongest drug out there. When when I was working in investigations, it wasn't uncommon for someone to die from an overdose. Other users find out that this person died from an overdose from this dealer's drugs and then go to them because they think they had the strongest.
0: That's scary. I I mean, to be in that mindset, that mind frame, to look for that in, in such a way.
1: Well, when you have the disorder and your body is, I won't say you're using it because you want to anymore, it's because you have to. I had a doctor explain it to me one time that people that are coming off of opioids, if they haven't had opioids in a couple of days, their need to use opioids is seven times stronger than your need to eat when you're hungry. Wow. So imagine you hadn't eaten it for three days, what you would do to get something to eat.
0: Yeah, overeat.
1: And and the the things you would do to find food. And when you put it in that perspective, it's almost like they can't not use without professional help.
0: So when people are buying fentanyl on the street, are they buying it in the form of a pill? Is it a liquid like you would see at a hospital? Or, Or what
1: is it? It could be in pill form, it could be in powder form, it can be, um, they, there's fentanyl patches, they're used for, for cancer patients that stick to your skin, that slow release, and I'm sure it could be in a liquid form as well. Generally what we see is pill form or powder form mixed with what they think they're buying as heroin or something like that. The real issue or the, the most dangerous part for me, in my opinion, of fentanyl is uh, a lot of these dealers are pressing fake Xanax, fake hydrocodone. It's just a pill binder with fentanyl in it. And some people are recreational, what we call recreational drug users, meaning they use it on the weekend. They're not a regular drug user. Maybe they use Xanax sometimes on the weekend and they buy it off the street. And what they get is not Xanax, it's actually pressed fentanyl in the form of a Xanax pill. And it's the last thing they do.
0: You know, a pain relieving pill versus a pill that is meant for anxiety, those two are quite different. Once they take that fake xanax and they realize it's, it's not xanax they're going to realize that really fast
1: they don't realize it they don't realize it. no sir no. they go to sleep some obviously die yes yeah, sir they go to sleep and they don't and, and that's that That that's sad I, it's real sad is it
0: normal for you to to find teenagers that have overdosed or, or are you mainly seeing those who are i don't know 20 to 30 years old what are you, what are you seeing age-wise
1: I, I, yeah, I don't think there's a real age group i mean it's all over the spectrum. And in 2016, 2017, we had a batch of pills come into Rutherford County, and we had probably 40 overdoses in one night and several deaths. And it was all from a batch of pills that were pressed fentanyl. It was all over the spectrum of different age groups, different demographics. Anybody that bought from this individual either had an overdose or or died.
0: So when there is a, a bad batch of drugs that come in, It's more potent than what it should be, and it's obviously going to lead to deaths. When that happens, you see the repercussions of it really fast, and you know it sounds like really quick. Hey, there is a bad batch of XYZ out there being sold right this minute.
1: Yes, sir. We knew within about, I think I got about six phone calls about overdose after overdose. And I knew pretty much immediately that we had a serious problem, and we called. Every agency that could help. And Rough County Sheriff's Office, Murphsboro, Smyrna, Laverne, DEA, TBI, we all joined together and worked for about 72 hours straight and basically got it off the street, made several arrests. It was a long, it was a long couple of days.
0: This happening, it's almost like a riot breaks out and you have to call in nearby sheriff's departments, police departments to all come in, lend a hand. But you know where to go in those cases. This, you could be literally all over the map running from up towards Woodbury and then all the way out to Laverne.
1: Yes, sir. The, the investigation was from probably Shelbyville all the way to Nashville. Multiple locations because that's how fast that narcotic spread. And we probably had 40 plus investigators working to figure out what was going on and to, and to find the source. Did you find the source? Yes, sir.
0: And what happened in that case? They were
1: prosecuted federally.
0: Were you able to charge them with murder or maybe multiple counts of murder?
1: I, I can't remember exactly uh, what they're exactly were charged with. I do think they were when they were sentenced. It was enhanced because it led to death, and so exactly what their sentence was. I don't recall exactly, but it was over 20, 25 years.
0: Did this drug dealer that was selling these drugs that led to overdoses, did they know exactly what they were selling or did they buy it from somebody else to resell on the street?
1: They bought it from someone else in Nashville to sell it on the street. One one of the, and it was multiple dealers, obviously. You had the source and then you had sub dealers below that. Um, I can speak specifically about one of them that I investigated was, lo- was local here in Rutherford County. And he had a family member overdose. He had multiple people calling him saying that people were overdosing, and he continued to sell it anyway. We had uh, information through the investigation that he knowingly sold it, even though people were overdosing. And his reasoning was he wanted to get his money back.
0: Typically, in an investigation, when you're able to exactly find out where the drugs came from to begin with, the, the original location of where they were made, What is that original location? I mean, typically, what are you seeing as far as where those drugs originated
1: from? It depends on the drug. I mean, if it's opana, oxycontin, oxycodone, or hydrocodone, that can originate from a prescription given to your your uncle for um, back pain or any other issue that someone diverts to street use. Maybe a family member steals it, maybe a burglar steals it from your medicine cabinet, maybe uh, they steal it out of the mail. They steal it out of your car. But it's, it's been diverted from its intent, original intention, which was for a, um, an injury or some type of medical issue. Uh, so that's how most of it hits the street. Uh, fentanyl uh, is coming through the southwest border. Heroin's coming from the southwest border, um, from Mexico. And, uh, you know, when it gets, like if it's uh, fentanyl and it's shipped in, You can buy a pill press. People buy pill presses and they buy a pill binder and they press it into the shape of a Xanax, a hydrocodone, a, you know, you you name the pill. And they can press them in clandestine labs. And so there's a multitude of ways that it can end up here, but that's some of them
0: just a few months ago the department of homeland security sent letters or memos to a variety of cities franklin Murfreesboro, nashville specifically saying well they didn't say it this way but basically we overlooked or allowed for those 600 roughly 600 immigrants to cross over the border and they're headed for your city over the next few months to come and uh they allowed for that you know even these even though these were folks breaking the law crossing over the border illegally they still allowed for it and then they sent letters to cities when you hear about news stories like that or when you hear about letters like that does it concern you even more that these folks could be bringing drugs with them
1: well you know jd and I are public servants so i'm not really gonna get into the politics of uh folks coming across the border or or um things of that nature but uh the less secure the border, the more narcotics that are come across. And that's these, a fact. These
0: narcotics are, are coming here, it sounds like, by way of Mexico to the U.S. a lot of the time.
1: Yes, sir. Uh, the majority of it is coming in from the southwest border. I mean, we're also getting it, you know, out of China. Um, it could come from the north border through through Canada. Um, it's being shipped in the mail uh, from overseas. We, we intercept packages all the time that, you know, you know more stuff that's purchased over the internet from from different countries um, so there's a multitude of ways it's coming in
0: you know we, we heard a few news stories not too long ago about parents needing to beware of not letting their children pick up anything they see on the road or on a sidewalk because there was fear that a number of things would be laced with fentanyl one being dollar bills and and I don't know how this big rumor or if it was true how it all started is there something
1: to all of that so as far as things being laced with fentanyl or pe- things being laying on the side of the road that could be you know having drugs or narcotics in it drug users don't generally intentionally leave drugs on the side of the road because it costs money and they want to use it I'm not saying somebody couldn't misplace or drop something out of their pocket it, it can happen anything anything's possible um, as far as money is concerned um, dollar bills and such uh is it possible to have fentanyl on a dollar bill yes um you know it would it be enough to um kill someone um, i guess it's possible but I, I haven't i particularly have not experienced it um but the reason that dollar bills and such uh were a concern is that a lot of people will roll up dollar bills to snort narcotics and you know or i found drugs inside of you know 12345 dollar bills or lottery tickets or they'll fold it up in that uh, and put it in their wallet, I guess, as a as an effort to hide it. So, you know, could there be narcotic residue or fentanyl residue on some on currency? Absolutely.
0: Now, going back to the stop team, the the program or the I guess the group of folks who are volunteering to help folks get off of drugs? How did that all come about at the sheriff's office?
1: So I worked investigations for uh, narcotics investigations for a long time, and we were just going to death after death after death. Um, And in 2018, I was promoted to patrol lieutenant. I went back to the patrol division and um, we were still having a lot of deaths. And Sheriff Fitchie wanted um, a program to address uh, drug use and overdose and uh, try to get some people into treatment and to help get inmates out of jail. Uh, and into treatment. And so he allowed me to write a DOJ grant um, to start the unit. And so uh, the Department of Justice awarded us over $800,000 to pay for the salaries of those five deputies and equipment and training. And we got started about 28, mid 2018, 2019. And um, that's how it started. Sheriff issue saw a need and he asked that we address it, and that's how we found a way to address it. So when this was started in Rutherford County,
0: did you see similar programs already operating in other counties or states even?
1: I think we were probably the first in the state. Um, there may be some stuff other places, um, but as far as I know, and I don't – I, I hope I don't hurt anybody's feelings, but I don't know of anybody else in the state that were doing it at the time. I think we were kind of the first.
0: that that's a a big accomplishment so at the beginning stages was was it effective that first few months that first year you were doing this
1: absolutely Um, we started putting people in rehab the first first month and you know at first it was like one or two and then next thing you know we were doing you know four or five a week and so um, you know if we prevent one person from dying I think it was it was effective and I can assure you that we've got people that come back and call us, visit us. They call JD. We check up on them that are still clean to this day. Um, and so, you know, I guess what's your measure of success? How many lives saved? What's what's that measure? And I think you know, one's worth it.
0: So once the person is actually uh, you know caught, you go out to whatever address you get the call for. And you find that subject who is obviously using or, or maybe he's selling. We don't know what's going on, first of all. But once you get there and you realize they've got a serious drug problem and they tell you, I want to get clean. I just don't know where to go. How long does it take for them to get into treatment? And then also, I guess they have to go through the court process, too, at the same time.
1: We can generally do it that night. Direct access. So yeah. they, they
0: go into treatment and then... From there, if they're facing charges, how do they go to address
1: those charges? Well, so if, it, if it's a, a, a small amount of narcotics, let's say they have a small user amount of narcotics because they're, uh, they're dependent. Generally, what we'll do is we'll place that into evidence for destruction. If they agree to go to, to rehab immediately, we'll destroy it. That, that, and, that's pretty awesome. And we don't charge them. You know, Um, I
0: I can see where that would turn around lives. I mean, once you factor that in with them being able to actually get treatment, I can see where that would turn a life around quickly.
1: Absolutely. Um, And, you know, the way we look at it, if we take them to jail, um, it's basically wash, rinse, repeat. You can arrest them over and over and over again. And if you don't treat uh, the cause of what's the problem – we're going to continue to do it. You can't arrest your way out of this problem. You have to to fix the problem. And these, these folks are the ones that are breaking into cars and stealing radios, stealing change, shoplifting, um, you know, prostitution, um, selling drugs, um, doing burglaries. They're doing these crimes, not because they want to, but to get the money to buy the narcotic. And so if we can solve the narcotic issue then we solve all these other crimes as well and if they're not sitting in jail if they're at a rehab facility and they're not sitting in jail then the taxpayers aren't paying for them to eat paying for their medical bills sleep and so it it's a less of a burden on the sheriff's office and the jail and it opens up and frees more beds for more serious offenders and so it, it you know it's also a cost savings Once you get them out of that facility and you get them into a rehab, rehabilitation.
0: Now you also mentioned volunteers. So there is a volunteer side of
1: this program. Well, they're not volunteers. Actually um, they are contracted by the state of Tennessee. Uh, They're paid and they um, basically they're, they're peer support counselors. They're folks that have were, you know, addicted to something at some point in their life they attended a rehab facility. They got out, they went to training. They got so many hours of, of, you know, being under a licensed professional as far as counseling. And now they come out with us and they connect these, uh, opioid or or, uh, dependent individuals with, uh, services. And so they're kind of our go between, um, you know, they're the experts on treatment. We're the experts on, crime and drugs and narcotics and so we work together and they connect them and um so we're actually adding uh right now two full time to the sheriff's office specifically for the stop program yes care counselors they're going to work in the jail and on the street with these guys and they ride with them they you know we, we go to homeless camps we go to hotel and motels where there's uh large uh drug problems or prostitution issues um and you, You know, we connect them and basically try to get them off the street, try to get them into into treatment or get them out of jail and get them into treatment and just trying to solve the issue as a whole.
0: We have to take a short break, but when we come back, I want to learn more about the progression of drug use and when it turns into something where people start going to, you know, commit crimes in order to pay for their habit. How long does this whole you know progression take guest today in studio we have Sergeant J.D. Davis and Captain Will Holton
1: The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM
0: 1450 Murfreesboro FM 100.5 Smyrna and streaming at WGNSradio.com
1: Hi, this is Peter
0: Demas with Demas's Restaurants. I'm always one of those that goes on and off diets. One of the places I love to eat out the most and still be able to do so and maintain a healthy weight is at Demas's. You know, at Demas's, one of the things that I started doing because of my own eating habits is, is we have a low calorie menu and a low carb menu. So, depending on whatever diet that you like, we have options for you that are available at Demas's. Please have your family join our family for lunch or dinner seven days a week at Demas's. The Blue Raider fan source for officially licensed Middle Tennessee gear is Raider Tees. T-shirts, caps, sweats in all sizes, designs, colors, children's to plus sizes. Raider Tees has decals and license plates to show everyone your favorite team. Plus, check out their wide selection of Blue Raider art, jewelry, even golf tee markers. Show your Blue Raider pride with the largest selection of Blue Raider merchandise anywhere by shopping Raider Tees, 910 Ridgely Road, just before the bridge over broad behind Chewy's. During Omaha Steaks semi-annual sale, get 50% off site-wide and save on mouth-watering favorites. At omahasteaks.com slash sizzle, load up on all the delicious flavor you crave at half price. Plus, get eight free Omaha Steaks burgers on select packages at omahasteaks.com slash sizzle. Endless possibilities, endless flavor and value. Visit omahasteaks.com slash sizzle and get eight free Omaha Steaks burgers with select packages during the semi-annual sale today. Omaha Steaks, America's Original Butcher. Adams Place has been a wonderful place. I'm Greg Shannon. I ride a bike, so I keep my bike on the patio. It's easy to get in and out. And Water aerobics, like I said, and then they have uh, stretch and balance to help you. Because us old people, we fall a lot. So she's trying to teach us how to keep from falling and to, you know, protect yourself and be careful and be smart, you know.
1: I'm Terry Deal. Call me from about Adams Place. Phone 615-904-9111. Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart.
0: If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. CapstarBank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. This morning, we have in studio guests from the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office. We have Captain Will Holton and Sergeant J.D. Davis to talk about not only the STOP program and what it is, but also about overdose deaths and drug use here in our community. So the progression of starting the drug, whatever that drug may be, what happens next and how long it takes for a person to get to the point where they're committing a crime in order to pay for that drug use. Because you mentioned things like like theft, prostitution, and so forth. How long does it take for somebody to get to that point?
1: As far as how long it takes for them to be opioid dependent, you know, I'm not certain. I think immediately in the brain, you start to have changes when you're using opioids. And the more and more you use, the more changes that you start to have where you start to, to seek out that drug in order to release that dopamine to get that same euphoric feeling that it gives you. And so, you know, I think this will probably evolve over a matter of a month. The moment you run out of money to purchase those narcotics is the moment that you're going to start doing other things to get that money, whether it's lying to your family in order. Hey, my car broke down. I need two hundred dollars or whether it's theft and all the other illicit ways to make money out there on the street. It may be dealing drugs yourself. A lot of folks turn to prostitution. These folks are not selling their bodies because they enjoy it. They're doing it because there's a need for money to buy narcotics or some other something that's going on in their life. So it can, it can, it, it can evolve pretty quickly.
0: When we see pictures online of the mugshot of someone in 1999, then it progresses to year 2000, 2001, and so forth, and you can tell differences in that person's face from you know how much weight they probably were at the time to to scabs on their face what are those types of drugs that are causing that tremendous weight loss that are
1: causing those sores on someone's face do you generally see that in methamphetamine and you know we We treat that as well and connect people with with counseling as well for that. Unfortunately, Narcan doesn't reverse anything to do with a methamphetamine overdose. But sadly, you don't generally see those photographs for people that are addicted to opioids and that are using heroin or fentanyl because they don't make it.
0: And what is the biggest drug that you're seeing the most of here in Rutherford County?
1: I would say methamphetamine and heroin are the, the most serious. Obviously, you know, this is a college town. There's lots of marijuana as far as affecting the lives of citizens and the lives of users the most serious are methamphetamine and heroin
0: is that what is most likely sold you know nine times out of ten compared to other drugs i mean is is that methamphetamine is that heroin is that more readily available than other drugs
1: marijuana is obviously marijuana aside because that's
0: another debate there
1: (laughs) yeah i mean it's uh, readily available anywhere so i will tell you this when i was a young guy working narcotics we never saw heroin Never. I mean, if we did a traffic stop and a guy said he found heroin, we didn't. We were like, No, you didn't. That's not heroin. We did not see it here. And I'm talking, you know, 2003, 2004, five. Just it just wasn't in existence. It, we didn't. It
0: made a resurgence, though, right? Right.
1: And when they started shutting down the peel mills at the federal level and state level, when we started cracking down on doctor shopping and things like that, the cartels recognized that there was a need for opioids, and so they flooded the area with heroin. And now. you know in 2005 2006 i probably rarely ever saw heroin now it's it's not uncommon for us to stop a car and there be an ounce in there it's not uncommon for us to do an undercover buy for an ounce or a quarter ounce or it's not uncommon for for us to open a package that a dog is alerted on and there'll be a kilogram of heroin in that package is heroin cheap for these drug users it's cheaper than going to the doctor and getting prescriptions and it's easier, you know, you don't have to have a prescription for heroin. You just go to your local dealer to get legit opioids. A doctor has to prescribe them, right? And so it's much easier to get heroin. And that's the, that's the reason they turn to that eventually. And I don't know exactly what the price of heroin is today because I haven't bought it in a while. I haven't worked undercover in a long time, but I would say anywhere from hundred to $150 a gram is a is a good guesstimate and then that gram will last what 24 hours depends on how much you use depends on how you use it if you snort it it's not going to last as long if you use it intravenously like through a needle through a vein you don't have to use as much and so it it obviously depends on you your tolerance and how you use it
0: we're already out of time but Anybody listening who wants to figure out a way to get help or maybe get help for a loved one or a friend even, how should they go about doing it? What's the first step
1: there? Call the sheriff's office and ask for JD or myself, and that's 615-898-7770, and we also have an email, which is at org and you can give us tips. You can ask for assistance and we'll, we'll follow up with you.
0: And for anybody listening, you know, calling the sheriff's office to get off of drugs seems like a a far-fetched thing to do, but there's no trick here. I mean, literally they can talk to you. They can talk to either one of you in order to find that help.
1: If you call and say, Hey, I've got a drug issue and I want help. One of us will come out. We'll assist you with that. And if you've still got some drugs on you and you want to go to rehab, we're going to Turn those drugs in for destruction and we're going to get you to rehab as long as you volunteer it and, you know, are wanting seeking help. We're not going to we're not going to arrest anybody that's seeking help.
0: And again, for anybody who is curious as to who to ask for, Sergeant J.D. Davis or Captain Will Holton at the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office. And we appreciate both of you all joining us this morning.
1: Thank you, sir.